0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. We are recording this on Tuesday, April 24th. I am Conor Guerra. He is Chris Marler. Chris, we're gonna pour one out for spring football. Spring football is in the books. Do you miss we it just, already?
1: Well, we made fun of it so much. We we're did like spring football doesn't even matter, dude. Who cares? We were like like we're these dumbass 15-year-olds, just like, I don't even care, dude. I don't even give a heck. And now it's over we're like, "Where? Well, there's no more football? What are we going to do? I got to listen to the draft for 38 hours a day now. Yeah, the draft is pretty much the last thing until fall camp,
0: really, in terms of actual football. Yeah, I don't really count the OTAs and all that stuff. Who really know cares what that about means. that? Organized team Activity. activities. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I knew I mean, we know it. what it is. <laughs> we're football guys at heart. Yeah, so we, we're we going to talk a little bit about... Uh, we, we are going to talk about the draft uh, later on. We also have a great interview at the end of the podcast. Um, With Trent Dilfer, who was working with a lot of these quarterbacks at the Elite Eleven camp, he had some incredible things to say about Tua Tungavaloa. You're not going to want to miss that. Also, has some interesting comps for Jake Fromm. We talked a little Justin Fields as well. Great stuff. You're going to want to stay to the end of this podcast uh, to get all of that
1: stuff. But first, we got to talk about that. I gave you a freestyle rap that I recorded (laughs) earlier today. It'll be off my mixtape. Uh, you can catch it in on Spotify and sound. I'm playing. No. Just stay for the Trent Dover interview. It's fantastic. I would pay a lot of money for
0: that. <laughs> People are going to pay a lot of money to see Tennessee football in the very near future. They did not nah. have to pay money to see Tennessee this past weekend, yet still, Jeremy Pruitt was not pleased about the fan turnout, to say the least. New coach coming or, in hot. Or team turnout. <laughs> yeah, or team turnout. Team not turnout, not just...
1: team turnout. He just he, not a fan of turnouts this weekend.
0: Oh my goodness gracious. What a comment that he had after the game. Uh, He said uh, our fans today, this is from uh, Wes Rucker uh, uh, 24-7 Sports. He said our fans today were like our football team. Some were here and doing great. Some weren't here for legitimate reasons and some should have been here and weren't. That sounds just like our team. Whoa. Jeremy Pruitt.
1: Tell us how you really feel, guy. I should have just said live, laugh, love and just moved on with it, man. That was a lot.
0: Oh, cow. So everybody freaked out about this because you look at the numbers and besides it being a spring game, it's 65,000 people at a spring game.
1: And you're like... No, it's not. <laughs> but it wasn't. And that's <laughs> no. that's the thing
0: is that if
1: you, if you follow some of the media numbers... central for the blank out of that, that number right there. Uh, we're going to get to your favorite
0: subject, UCF, a little bit later. But Tennessee was, let's just say Tennessee... Inflated the numbers numbers. a a little bit. Yeah, there was probably, according to media members, there more of like 40 to 45,000 fans and not 65,000. I mean, it's tax
1: season. We all do it sometimes. You round up, you round up, or you round down, you know, whatever's in your favor. In this case, they rounded up hard, big time. Hard
0: Jeremy Pruitt, was, he knew it. I mean, he was basically treating this like there was 10,000 people there. Right. Do you have a problem with him doing this
1: about lying? No, not about it. He didn't lie. He told it like it, he was. No, the one he I love it what it he was. said. I love because, like, here's the thing. I say this all the time, and I, I'm not trying to come down on Tennessee fans. Every once in a while, you need a reality check. You need to know like, to, to figure out where you're going. We we, we were just talking little little peek or was it peek behind the curtain? Peek behind the curtain. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so a little peek behind the curtain. We were just talking about me losing weight beforehand. It was like you know you, I went to the doctor today, and you have to sometimes figure out like oh yikes, this is where I'm at before, you know, you figure out where you're going to go. Tennessee fans needed to be called out a little bit. They need to understand, just like Bama fans did before Saban got there. You need to understand the reality and the situation that you're actually in. And you need to, like, you know, so that needs to be addressed. Otherwise, you're not going to improve. And to be honest, guys, yeah, you have a very rich football program, and you have a very rich history, and it's it's the second best program, numbers-wise, in football in the entire SEC. It's. They have a, a fantastic history, huge, huge loyal fan base. You didn't win a single conference game last year. You lost to Kentucky and Vandy. That can't happen. So you got to get better. And yeah, he. I'm. I love what he said. I love what he said. So a lot of what he said I thought was
0: sparked by the fact that the first-team defense didn't really look very good. The first-team offense sort of had its way with them. Jared Guarantano, I thought looked pretty good in a spring game. that We talked about last week the impact that Tyson Helton was going to potentially have there. And Jeremy Pruitt is a defense guy, and he did not like seeing his defense just get run over. And I think in the back of his mind, He's thinking to himself, you know what we got week one? We got that West Virginia game. Oh, and there's man. a guy named Will Greer who can light up the scoreboard. Uh, there's and a guy we... named
1: Dana Holgerson, who is one of the most unlikable, unfriendly people, it seems like in the world. And he's another he's another Orgeron and what's his name guy just pounding Red Bulls all day. Wants to go fast. Chad Morse, wants to go fast. Morse, yeah. yeah. And and yeah, like that that is not something when you look at your schedule. And again, and I'm not trying to harp on what happened last year, and you're going to have growing pains under Jeremy, under Jeremy Pruitt. You're, you're going to have growing pains in the first year of any coach. Like, but when you look on that schedule and the first thing you see is West Virginia – yeah, that's that's tough.
0: That's tough. And I, I said, going into this, I said, if you're a Tennessee fan, I think the thing you actually want is to see offensive development more yep. than defensive development, because you brought in Jeremy Pruitt to turn around that defense as well, and you've got to think that long-term he's going to be the guy to do it, and I'd rather see the offense make some strides early on than the defense, because you feel better about the direction of the defense. Now, whether or not that's going to translate come fall, we don't know. It's a spring game. You never really get a good gauge for how these guys are going against each other and that's that's the great thing the great unknown so to speak of the Jeremy Pruitt era but what a start I'll tell you
1: what you want more than anything as a coach and this is like even when I was playing baseball in college like the the one thing you want when you're transitioning from fall to spring in baseball or spring to fall in football the one thing you want more than anything is a reason to show somebody why they need to improve you want stuff to work on you don't want to peak you don't want to be sitting here like feeling all high mind. like yeah I really like where we're at right now you, you want stuff to work on. You want stuff to motivate your guys. And you want to have things that, that you can like look forward to and goals to attain before you kick off, like I guess, the season on September 1st, 2nd, whatever it is.
0: What was the analogy that you had earlier? Something was like concrete to peanut butter.
1: I, I thought about that oh. this week with... Jer- Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. <laughs> Herm Edwards in <laughs> college football That's right. is like peanut butter and concrete. I,
0: I was thinking the comparison uh, between Jeremy Pruitt and intern Butch Jones would be something like that uh. as well. Uh total And options. that's one thing
1: I will say. They have to be happy about this because the, like, yeah, I mean, you kind of got called out and and, you know, I don't wanna say dunked on, but like you put it best and like in our notes, can't we prove it from the top rope? I mean, I think don't get sensitive about it. Just they need to move forward and and, and learn from that. But, yeah, you'd rather have that than have uh, Butch Jones sulking in the Bama locker room like he was. Yeah, we're not going to have any
0: any sort of participation trophies with Jeremy Pruitt. I The, the relationship that he's going to have between his blunt honesty and sort of playing the game, because you do have yeah. to play the game to a certain extent when you're in a big-time program, especially when right. you haven't won yet and you haven't proven yourself. I'm looking forward to seeing how that dynamic plays out because yeah. w- it's going to be one to follow. It absolutely will be. But different story in Knoxville. And Mississippi State had a spring game that had a little bit less criticism after oh, the game. <laughs> Joe Moorhead was not jumping off the top rope. If anybody, if anything, people Criticism
1: were, from other people or you? Because we all know you're Mississippi State's biggest fan besides what's his name with the... Besides Stingray. Besides
0: Stingray. St- now I'm uh, I'm I am i don't want to say a fan. I'm just a believer. We can say that. Yeah. A believer. Yeah. I'm a believer in the Joe Moorhead era. We're going to get to a little bit more of that later. But if I'm a Mississippi State fan, the thing that I'm fired up about from that spring game was Keaton Thompson. Yeah. The, I, I put it in air quotes, backup quarterback to Nick Fitzgerald because he looked really good in the spring game. He looks really good in the Slayer Bowl. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are going to be <laughs> clamoring for this guy to get some playing time in 2018.
1: I mean, you gotta ask yourself: Does Nick Fitzgerald need to switch positions? Does he need to be a receiver? Is he gonna leave? Is he gonna go somewhere else? Is he gonna go to Michigan State and go up against what's his name from Ole Miss? No, the that's Michigan. To Michigan. To Michigan. Come on. No, I'm saying Michigan State because then he would play against Shane. Oh, Patterson. come you. on. Keep up. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Come on. I'm Connor. too slow. Uh, no, but I mean, yeah, he looked great. He looked great, and that's that's you know, I thought Mississippi State, and I thought Georgia had the best two outcomes with their spring game cuz going into it remember I said I thought it would be kind of boring cuz it's like all right, you know, what are we really going to get? We got a couple of these starters out. What are we going to see? Justin Fields look great. Keaton Thompson look great. It's a good problem to have to have a backup in case something horrific happens like Nick Fitzgerald, you know, dislocates his ankle in the first quarter of the egg bowl and then you don't have as much someone you don't have anybody that's that ready and prepped to go the rest of your rivalry game yeah
0: that'll be that'll be one of the storylines that i think we're going to see throughout maybe even fall camp is we expect nick fitzgerald to be back in 100 and he was making strides during the spring of course but you know what happens if if he if he has a, a rough couple games or something like that that's that's when you really see these situations start to start to come to the fold, and and you see that as a midweek storyline, and Keaton Thompson has put himself in position to at least be in the conversation
1: if something happens. I love Nick Fitzgerald. I don't think Nick Fitzgerald's gonna have, I think at this point, we kind of know who Nick Fitzgerald is. Right. And he's, gonna, he's gonna have... He's gonna put up about 300 yards of offense per game. It's gonna be a combination of running and passing, obviously, but I, he's he's a senior, right? He's a
0: senior. He's he's the he's starter. A pretty we good quarterback,
1: that. yeah. And I, and I just... I honestly can't think of... Many games, and maybe I'm just being ignorant to this right now, but I can't think of many games in a row where it was like, oh, yikes, Fitzgerald's had a rough couple of games. He just kind of seems steady as you go and and just puts up the numbers he puts up. Yeah, he's
0: had some rough games against elite defenses. The Dan, oh, yeah. Dan Mullen teams in general have had some rough games against elite defenses. That's a talent defenses. gap, though, with a lot of other props. I mean... I think so, too. And time will tell if that's going to be the case during the Joe Moorhead era. He's been able right. to maximize guys who... Aren't Saquon Barkley people forget that Trace McSorley once upon a time was not a four or five star recruit? I um, mean, that people wanted him to play safety. Just saying,
1: so yeah, I don't think a lot of people have really thought about that down here, but yeah, a lot
0: it's of true. people it's thought fun. about that, of course. Dak came back, gave Joe Moorhead some love, he gave him uh, his blessing, so to speak. We'll, we'll just call it that. Yeah, Dak Prescott is on board with the Joe Moorhead era. I suggest others get on board with it.
1: Kind of have to, yeah, yeah kind of
0: have to. <laughs> kind of the like most high profile, uh, right, alum right now, but Alabama. Uh, it, we'll, we'll talk about the, the other part of the, of the division here and what Alabama had was a much more eventful... Wait, hold
1: on. Wait, why did you say it like that? All right, now that we've talked about Mississippi State, we're going to talk about the other part of the division. Well, i
0: I say this because we're going to talk more about Mississippi State later, and I don't want to beat to death the cowbell, you know. Yeah, I want to make sure that we only fair. have a couple. We, we we need more cowbell. We'll get some more no, cowbell. No, contrary
1: later. to popular belief, I think we don't need more cowbell now. Has anybody not, ever need more? Not on the show, but yeah, no, no one has. No, moving on to Alabama, Connor. I, I mean, you know, I was watching. I was excited for this weekend because I had to work, quote unquote, and watch you know the Bama game in full, the George game in full, and um, I got out of cooking lunch that day with my girlfriend, which is fantastic. I was like, I, I can't right now, babe. Just Make that guacamole. It sounds great. You don't you cook guacamole. You mix it. You know what I meant, Connor. Prepare. She, she can't, well, I was like, so I went and played golf on Saturday, right? And I'm coming, I'm coming back, and I'm like, beelining home to watch this game. She's like, guess what, babe? I got like three hundred dollars worth of groceries. She's the best. Like, she's just the best. But then I didn't know that part of the groceries were gonna be like she wanted to like. Make stuff together.
0: Yeah, that's the so, thing. People do that. Why are you giving that? Not
1: f- during the Bama Spring Game. Well, yeah. Obviously, she doesn't know that it's the most important thing besides a national championship. How dare she? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But No, she was great. She was she was great. So, you know, we, I got home and I started to watch the Bama game. Now, what sucked was I got home a little bit after kickoff. and So, I had it recorded, obviously. But, ideally, I wanted to see like the whole thing start to finish, live tweet it, get caught up in the moment, overreact to stuff like everyone else was doing on Twitter. I got home at halftime. And the world was already like the sky was falling. The world had just gone into absolute dismay. This. Jalen Hurts. He's. I guess he's. Is he already gone? He's already left. No, he has not left Alabama. He's
0: not even been named the number two at Alabama. Everybody was freaking out about the fact that he did good not look God. very good in the first half of that game, throwing the ball, especially. We we saw shades of why this offense was limited last year, and I think the the passing game restrictions of. Him being just sort of a one-read and pull, tuck it and run guy. That's just kind of who he yeah. is at this point. Uh, he has not progressed. I don't want to over, I don't want to overanalyze things because he was going against the first-team defense. I came out and said that. Let's not make too big of a deal about this. Right. But I, I, I do feel confident in saying that I don't think Jalen Hurts has progressed as a passer the way that we thought he would, uh, given the fact that he was so good as a freshman and made so many great throws. Is Lane Kiffin the difference? I don't know. I'm not willing to, to go out and say that yet. I kind of think that you, you, know, you reap what you sow. But Jalen Hurts had a very interesting day, to say the least. And then the thing that sort of escalated that was Saban having a hot mic. And yeah. the, the ESPN audio cut him saying the 3rd string quarterback, or the third-team quarterback, which is Mac Jones, can move the team downfield throwing the ball. And that was after Hertz was basically ineffective as a passer. So not a good look so, to see that. Here's the
1: thing. Here's what happened. And 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 you know, I'm glad you touched on it because every Bama fan that watched the game was by halftime, it was like, you know, like I said, sky's falling. They were over it. They were they were completely moved on from Jalen Hurts. And now here are the numbers on it, okay? First half, Jalen Hurts, six of fourteen for thirty-two yards, eight rushes for thirty-four yards. Whoa. That is – I mean, I joked on Twitter. I was like, yeah, all right, it sounds like he's in midseason form. Like, I, I'm so tired of every, – every Bama game it seems like, all right, yeah, well, Jalen was 11 of 18 for 163 yards, one interception, one touchdown, and then rushed for like 80 yards. So what was, what was interesting to me is in defending Jalen, yeah, of course he's going up against the first-team defense, sure. I think we all kind of thought he would have progressed more at this point because he, he was an early enrollee guy. This is his third full year. going. He's going into his third full year. I thought he would have made a little bit more progression. I, I am mean, throwing the ball. And looking at the numbers, you know, when to his defense, this is the fourth different offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach he's had in 17 months as a player. True. And that's tough to do. Like that's, I mean, that's a lot to go through. And especially when you have somebody breathing down your neck. Like, when you have somebody breathing down your neck that is, like, a, a very, very talented quarterback, five-star recruit, Wins the national championship. What you want more than anything is probably, you know, like some familiarity with like your coach of like how to get better. Like, I'm sure he misses Kiffin. Also, with the offensive line, like last year, the struggle. Bama defensive line had 12 sacks in this game. This year, they had 10. You know, throughout the season, Bama didn't have that many sacks throughout the year. So it was like, you know, a lot of this is different because it's you're playing one hand touch in the quarterback. The offensive line did struggle, but also they only started one player off last year's. Offensive line in the same position. They were experimenting all day, mm-hmm. and it didn't go well at all. You know, for most of the times. What I thought was interesting was when Jalen, when that was said from Saban, that that audio was caught. The hot mic. That was the hot mic. That was literally in the midst of a 35-yard run. It was, wasn't it? It was a 35-yard <sighs> yeah. run, and also it was happening. So this is this is this is what I was saying, going through and like and I kind of look for him to take advantage of that defense because. When you look at their base defense from last year, Alabama's, you talk about their base defense they come out with, the nickel and the dime, that you know the three defense they rotate through for most, most of the game, they lose 10 starters, 10 starters from those defenses, and six, the entire secondary, six were DBs. Lose, like, so I kind of thought he'd be able to pick them apart a little bit. So he comes out, very underwhelming first half. He said, we got a third string quarterback moving the ball right down the field, moving the team right down the field, throwing the ball. It was during a 30-yard game. Also had a 12-yard scramble on a third and two with a little bit a little bit under three minutes to go in the first half trying to get in field goal range to get some points before the end of the half. So he did some good things. And then he comes out in the second half and looks
0: totally different. Looks better. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't want to make too much of this, but given the comments that were made by his dad, uh, you know, this is this is something that we're not gonna have clarity on this. In a in very near future, it's just not going to happen. Right. This situation is still developing, but left the door wide open. That's what his dad so, said that he couldn't afford. That's what his dad said that he did in the national championship in the story, you know, by Matt Hayes, Bleacher Report, right. and he the door still wide open.
1: Yeah. And and what what was what was bad? I I, I wanted to take the the side of Jalen just because I know every other like just kind of play devil's advocate because every other person was just like, he's gone. And, you know, Mac Jones was the, the other quarterback, was MVP of the game. Threw for 289 yards. Didn't look you amazing, know. though. I... No, no. They, he had a what? Chidarius Townsend broke just a miserable attempt at a tackle and got like a 65 yard touchdown from one of the defensive backs. And that was, you know, obviously it was the second team, so that's, that's fine. But when like, Jalen comes out in the third quarter, he comes out like, again, 6 of 14 for 32 yards in the first half, 34 yards rushing. First drive of the third quarter, he's like 5 of 8 for 45 yards. Ends up in, the, like, the, I think, the final stats for the game, he was, like, 19 of 37 for 195 yards. Pretty good interception in the last play of the game. Now, what amazed me, though, is, and this is this is what scares me more than anything about his lack of progression, is he had 15 carries for a total of 33 yards. I just told you, on the play, like, the very play that Saban was, was kind of going off on the hot mic about, that was a 35-yard gain.
0: Well, the sacks and what, stuff. What
1: worries more than, is the set, and that's what worries more than anything. Is because yeah, he can—he's elusive and he can—he can extend plays with his feet and he does some things. Tua can also do that, but when he doesn't have the awareness to check down quick enough, and you're taking that many sacks, that's you know when you're when your best attribute as your quarterback, and I think we would agree with Jalen on this, is his ability to run, because it's not throwing as well. You can extend plays, but his ability Obviously, to yeah. run is is his his best attribute, and that's not a slight to him. But when that's getting in the way of like being able to move the offense, and and you're still, and then you're messing up on that part of it, I don't like that. Quarterback battle was almost ended in one play when a
0: softball player was an Alabama softball player who hit the line drive that almost hit Jalen Hurts. That would have been uh, quite the anticlimactic end to the quarterback battle, I think. Yes. But if you're sitting here right now, going forward, I think Tua is in great shape to be the starter and. Yeah. That's just the way that, that this has all unfolded. Go figure that he didn't even have to be healthy in the spring for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, another quarterback situation that obviously we're gonna monitor closely moving forward. That's been cool. talked about a lot. Georgia. We we saw some, some interesting things in Athens, the spring game on Saturday. Everybody was eager to look at the super, super recruit, Justin Fields. He looks good, good. not great. He looks real good.
1: He, he looks I disagree. The
0: intangibles the intangibles are there. Still a little bit sloppy in terms of some of the stuff that you look for. If you were expecting him to be the starter, I don't think you looked at that game and said, yeah, he's starting over Jake Fromm. But I think if you looked at that game, you said, man, this kid is gonna be
1: special. He can make all the throws. He can make absolutely all the throws. And he's got he's got a good enough arm to make like the back shoulder fades. He's got a a good enough arm to get like downfield. But he, he doesn't lack like and like Eason did this a lot. And a lot of people with strong a lot of quarterbacks with strong arms, they have a hard time putting touch on short intermediate passes. He doesn't have a problem doing that. Honestly, I thought early on, I thought Fromm was the one that looked like he was making a lot more like of the mental errors and like he not was, just his yeah. pick six, but the errant throws and some of the mental errors, like getting the ball a little bit late. So numbers
0: ended up being pretty close to them. I yeah. think if you're if you're a believer in, in in Justin Fields, I think Saturday confirmed that that belief. I don't think anybody would back off the hype. There, uh, he, he's he's going to be special. If there's one critique I have of him. And I bashed people who compared Joey Gatewood to Cam Newton, but it's it's a little something that I, that I actually saw that is a flaw of Cam Newton's that I saw in Justin Fields. And that's that when he's standing in the pocket, he waits a long, long time to get rid of it. And almost to the point yeah. where he thinks his athleticism can make up for when the pocket collapses. And it's almost right. like he's... The game is—you want the game to be slow for a true freshman, and that's the goal. Yeah. You want the game to slow down, but it's almost like it's happening. Like he doesn't realize how fast it's happening, and I worry that that pressure right. is going to get to him. That'd be the one concern I'd have watching him. But that's just reps. I mean, the reps take care of
1: something well, like that. I would think when you're when you're that kind of elite talent and you've played at like a high school level, this is for so long, you can rely on you know your athletic ability to get out of situations. Like I, there was one play in the third quarter where he accelerated when the pocket was collapsing very well. Yeah. Ended up getting like a 12, 15-yard gain. Now, the problem is, like, that that's fine in the spring game. And I thought he looked great. I, I have it in my notes. I thought he looked good on all that. But when you start seeing, like, exotic blitzes from other defenses and other defensive coordinators that you're not used to seeing in practice every day, that's when it becomes a problem. Exactly.
0: And, and if you look at his, uh, his high school tape, I remember watching some of his highlights where some of his most amazing plays were when he would have just – a blitzer coming right at his eyes and he would right. just basically be like standing in the pocket, like, yeah, no big deal. I'm not worried about what you're going to attempt yeah. to do to me. I'm going to be able to either run around you or I'm just going to hang in here and make a 50 right. yard throw on the money. You might not be able to get away with that as much in college. So not to, you know, no. we're nitpicking here. He's an incredible I, talent, but
1: that'd be the that one that's thing. a really good way to put it too, by the way, is a nitpicking because out of all the teams I've watched this spring and not just in the SC, just in general, I found that I had to nitpick more than with George than any other team because yeah. they had the least amount of flaws in my opinion. I, I'm all in right now on how good UGA looked. Yeah. And like you look at that offensive line, the year three, that's I feel like they're gonna make the biggest jump like in, in like the trenches. And they returned four starters and the average size of their offensive line is six five. Three hundred and twenty four pounds. And that's
0: bringing in a bunch of five star offensive linemen recruits too. Right. So which is and losing a first rounder in Isaiah Wynn or what right. many expect to be a first rounder. Yeah, Georgia, yeah. Georgia, I think if you're a Georgia fan, you're you're very encouraged by what you saw. I know Kirby Smart's been really critical of his defense, but I thought that was a pretty solid defensive showing, especially yeah. from the secondary. Uh DeAndre Baker yeah. getting the pick
1: six and yeah, that was and, solid. And all-around. Brian Harrion. Brian Harrion's back for his sixteenth season. <laughs> yeah. In between the hedge I swear to he's only a junior. I swear to God he's been there since ninety yeah. eight. It's it's unbelievable
0: at LSU. A little bit of a different story with some of their skill players. Yeah. We have a lot of questions about the newcomers that they have at the skill positions. Maybe got some answers on Saturday night. I'm not sure if we really got any. I don't think we got anything definitive, especially at the definitely quarterback the most battle. entertaining game. Yeah, pro- like in terms of competitiveness and yeah. down to the wire, all that. Yeah, I agree. The thing that we were following closely, of course, the quarterback battle. We have no idea who's going to take over in Baton Rouge. Maybe even less of an idea after just, just McMillan, in the words of Coach O, looked like the best quarterback for LSU. Right. Surprising to hear him say that, given that Miles Brennan was the backup last year. Right. We expect Lowell <sighs> Narcisse. He didn't look that great. Yeah. Our, By the way, it's Lowell Narcisse. But can we? No, it's not. Can we keep? Yes. Don't. Okay. You know what? No, I'm gonna pretend I didn't. Remeber that. that. It's. Yeah. Why did you even ruin sorry. that for me? No,
1: no. Okay. Did we ever figure out if it's niche or niche or keish or kaish cu- I just found out that you're really basic for having keish pretty much every time God, we record quiche, this podcast. Quiche is so good. Anyway, no, I mean, I thought I thought LSU looked like it's like like I wanted the quarterbacks to look a little bit better. I did because like I I tuned in right at six o'clock. And the first thing I hear is and there he is, Miles Brennan, a Slim Reaper. Love it. And I was like, oh, wow, because apparently this kid had to put on 15 pounds like from last year or from out of high school into his first year of college. And then they wanted to put another 15 pounds. What could he have weighed? buck 40 buck 50 yeah soaking wet. i don't know goodness so yeah he's almost he's almost gonna make a weight to play to play college quarterback this year uh, yeah i was kind of hoping for more out of them but it looked like they had some explosive plays they looked like they did some things well you know they looked like they were evenly matched i guess it was 28 27 so yeah
0: had the long uh had the long uh 94 yard touchdown pass to justin jefferson uh, we saw some good things from the receivers. Quarterbacks, less than 50%, all of them were, on the day. I thought that yeah. was a little bit of a surprise. But we were also curious about what was going to unfold at the running back position. Such a given with LSU, and the experience is just not there. But right. I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Is that how you say it? Clyde
1: Edwards-Hilaire? You know, I don't, you, we're bad you with know pronunciations. I don't know the answer to that. We're definitely not well, a pronunciation podcast. French is not my thing.
0: Yeah, let's just hope it's French. He's Because he's the Baton Rouge kid, so you assume that he's French. It's Baton, yeah. Baton, Baton, yeah. Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge. Yeah, my bad. He led the way, 14 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's that
1: NFL running back that you alluded they to last week. They definitely have to have one. I mean, that's that's Leonard a rule. Leonard Fournette. Len- that is definitely a rule. Leonard. 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 All right, we got it. We'll we got to really. We got enough time tighten to tighten this up before for media days. I know days. we got we got some names to some
0: pronunciations to learn. Uh, that's just a sign of the times at LSU. But yeah. if we're gonna look at one big spring takeaway here. I think there are a few, I would go in the direction of, uh, my big spring takeaway is that I don't think Alabama can coexist like it did last year. I think, no. given the comments from Jalen Hurts' dad, I think that situation is wiped out clean. We saw Jalen Hurts not necessarily progress as, as the passer. I don't see a way in which he and Tua are going to coexist in 2018. I think even if Hurts is somehow named the starter, I think Tua's gone. Yeah, and Maybe even his brother, after his brother committed
1: over the weekend. Who knows? That's And that's what- one thing I joked around with you earlier about and like I think the biggest victory from that whole situation is if he can stay through December because they don't have enough scholarship quarterbacks to stay on there right they lost three after the national championship game against Clemson two years ago but you know with Jalen I love Jalen Hurts Like, uh, he's again he's one second away in 2016 from winning the national championship being you know a god in that town forever and you know how quickly times change because now it's you know what 15 months later and he everyone wants him out but just knowing bama fans and how irrational they'll be and i don't think it's they're being irrational in terms of two of being better than jalen necessarily talent wise it's a small sample size but yeah like you said then Tua's his younger brother committed the third string quarterback was the mvp of the spring game and now the other quarterback recruit they have is bear bryant's freaking gods or grand great grandson so yeah i'm pretty sure they're somehow just already over jalen
0: yeah go figure i'm uh if there's if there's one of the things uh, that I looked at at the spring and, and sort of took away from a lot of the quarterback stuff, it's that I just don't expect an early enrollee to start at quarterback this year. No. Uh, that's not to say that an early enrollee can't or develop extremely well in the fall and do a lot right. of things that we haven't seen in the spring, but based on what we've seen from guys like Emery Jones and even Justin Fields right. who looked... Looks good, in my opinion. I, I just would not expect them to uh, develop that much to get to the point where they're starting. Could they be starting by midseason or by the end yeah. of the season? Absolutely, but that would be my... Jalen
1: should go to Florida. Ooh, that'd
0: be interesting. <sighs> I would love that. I would love anyway. to see that. So, oh, oh yeah, one more spring takeaway. Uh, UCF, national champ, undefeated, rings, banners, all that
1: stuff. You're getting t-shirts of all that, right? So, again, I will say this. <laughs> So they, they unveil this banner, they show these rings and all I could think of the entire time, this is, and I'm not going to get into a long thing about UCF cause I already got owned by him on Twitter. Like, all their massive, massive, all right, we well, yeah, could have come to my defense. Thanks for nothing. Sorry. There's a massive amount of fans came out of the woodwork, but apparently just, they came out of the woodwork on Twitter, not for actual spring games, by the way. That was a light There was crowd. no one, Very light no crowd. one there at the spring game, but you know, like when you were like growing up and like your mom, like right before Christmas would be like, just take your dad's credit card and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go get something like for me. And she just goes and buys herself what she wants because she knows your dad's gonna screw it up somehow. So then she would come home with her present from your dad, wrap it, put his name like on the present, and then still open on Christmas Day. That's exactly what was happening with UCF opening up these rings they gave themselves. Those
0: rings look pretty sweet.
1: You're gonna get one. Did though, they?
0: Right? I kn- They must have gone to Jared, right? I mean, can only be one, right? Oh, is that Kay's slogan? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Every kiss begins with K. That's their slogan. Yes. Yeah. That's their slogan. We are not a jewelry podcast. We are a football no. podcast. Yes. Yeah. But uh, that storyline's not going anywhere. I, I feel pretty good about that. Not good that, that I'm like on the UCF bandwagon or anything like that. I live in Orlando. I have no, no sort of connection to UCF or anything like that, but the storyline is not going away anytime soon. They're going to continue S. to drive that well into the, the 2018 season. I feel right. pretty confident about that. One more thing uh, that we want to hit on with, uh, with some of the spring football, some of the stuff that we saw on Saturday. So ESPN ran a graphic during, was it the Georgia spring game or the Alabama spring game? Georgia spring game. Georgia spring game where it listed the returning SEC quarterbacks, the returning starting qu- quarterbacks in the SEC. They had Tua. They had Fromm, Drew Locke, Nick Fitzgerald, Jake Bentley, Jared Stidham, Nick Starkle, Kyle Shermer. Forgetting a few.
1: Forgetting a so, few. So no Felipe Franks, no Put d- some respect on my name. No Jalen Hurts. God. No Jared Guarantano. I, that was just so un I, that that honestly just pissed me off. Like, and I get, again, I get it. I'm not trying to be like a like a homer for Jalen Hurts. Definitely not for Felipe Franks. I can't pronounce the last name, obviously, for the Tennessee kid, but like Jaylor, twenty six and two, man, twenty six and two, He's got twenty eight, and starts. they were like, yeah, Tua does re- like, doesn't have a start, doesn't he hasn't played more than a half of football, but hey, returning starter, that's crazy to me. It's crazy that ESPN put that on there, and I think it's kind. of, I mean, yeah, I think they're probably right, but it's like, good god.
0: Yeah, that was, that was interesting, to say the least. I think that might have riled up a, a few people. Maybe not as much Florida fans because I'm not sure. I think
1: Jeremy Pruitt made that, that graphic. He's just like, I don't Ooh, give a
0: motivation <laughs> about anyone's feelings. Here we go. I love it. Another thing. Oh, yeah, one last, 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 last final thing. The Georgia Twitter account, missing in action as of recording in this podcast, it is still suspended. It's been suspended for about four days. Apparently Georgia got its sixth DMCA violation in 16 months, DM DMCA stands for, do you know this off the top of your head without looking at our notes? It's fun to do it. D- no, no, um, like no chance. It's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which oh, of course, yeah, which tip of my tongue. Basically, means don't rip off unlicensed music and put it into your videos and tweet them out. Bad luck. Apparently, Georgia doesn't know how to stop, and it's addicted to doing that because it keeps getting suspended over and over and over again. Why? Why are you doing this, Georgia?
1: My favorite, my, just stop, stop breaking the law, a hole. My favorite, my favorite thing that somebody tweeted all weekend about this was George's Twitter account's been suspended so many times. I feel like they're going to transfer to Auburn at some point soon. <laughs> that's savage. I mean, yeah, that's, that's oh man. I don't know if if, if uh, Rick is in charge of their Twitter, but yeah, they're just. Off season, having a hard time staying out of trouble. That joke's been riffed off like a billion times, hasn't it? I saw that like I three different places. On, on I don't Saturday. I don't want to say that because we already got that one review this week and said I'd I rip off my humor for another podcast, which was wildly offensive. Wildly, wildly offensive. We are original guys.
0: Yeah, NFL draft. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from Georgia. We'll give Georgia a little bit of br- a break because I have a feeling we're going to be talking about them getting suspended like on opening yes, day or something like that uh, for more unlicensed videos. We're going to move on to the NFL draft. Probably going to be a couple Georgia guys getting taken relatively high. That's at least what we expect. Uh, It is rumor season. It is smokescreen season with the draft being on Thursday. Basically, I feel like the whole last week, every single story that I've read, I've been like, yeah, I wonder who threw that out there. We've had rumors galore with things like Baker Mayfield going number one overall to the Browns. Who knows if that's actually going to happen or if the Browns are just Trying to fool everyone and somehow get trade bait for the number one pick. I don't know, but other other rumors like Mike Mayock came out and said that Darius Geis uh, has had character issues and that he's missed some meetings and that teams are questioning that he could slip. That is so stupid. Sony Michelle apparently has a knee issue that we haven't been privy to that information or anything like that. So interesting to see that uh, a couple SEC guys who have been very high profile guys. I, I would say the past Darius couple Geis years. Darius guys
1: made it out of one of the most horrifying upbringings. Out of and a lot of kids have terrible like upbringing and stuff like that. Like around like the southeast and these recruits making out of like nothing. But come on, man, character issues. See, like that kid is a hero for that area. Yeah, and well, he's a hero. A few weeks ago, he saved a woman's life who was in a car yeah. crash. So character issues. No, I think that probably is a smoke screen. I so my favorite thing out of this was, and I hope it's not a smoke screen because I would love to be right on this, and I will go back and find the audio because I called it in like frickin' January. Is the Browns are so stupid. I could easily see them using their first and fourth pick, both on quarterbacks. And last week, I look on ESPN, and the first thing I see is the Browns considering taking a quarterback at one and four. Gosh, that would be wild if that happened. Be incredible. I mean, incredible. I
0: get. I would almost understand it though. If you're the Browns, you've gotten to the point where you you just can't miss on a quarterback anymore. You can't miss yeah. on another first rounder. No. But then again, if you miss. How much lower can you get? You're in the same exact spot two years from now when you yeah, realize. That maybe they the kid just get like a, like
1: to draft during the season. They can just bring up somebody right away for help. Yeah.
0: Let's let's get to that. Who do you think the Browns are gonna take number one overall?
1: Uh, so I think they're gonna take Josh Allen. Do you really? Everything I've heard. Yeah. So this and there's some stupid new there's some stu- you're not really big in the NFL draft. I I've been following it a lot, and there's just been there's some stupid new statistic or measurement called fingertip speed. Fingertips. I, yeah, what? that's a real thing. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. I, so, I, I don't really. I've said this before. I don't really like many of the quarterbacks in terms, like for like that early in the draft. Nor do I. And and they're talking about like, I think I want to say four are going to supposed to go in the top six picks, or, or at least in the top ten. Potentially, yes. I like Rosen a lot because I think he's like the cerebral. I I knew I was going to mess that word up. Cerebrally. There you go. (laughs) Cerebrally. I think he's the best quarterback there. But, you know, he's not that likable sometimes. I think Lamar Jackson can do well. I don't think that Darnold, he makes too many mistakes in my opinion, and there's a big sample size to look at. I don't think he's the number one draft pick. And Josh Allen, I don't think he is either because of the talent he had to play against. But he's got all he's got all the measurements, and I I think that's who they're going to take. I
0: don't think there's any chance they take him. I still don't. You, really, I, that's that's one of the smokescreen things that I've been thinking for the past week is that if you're the Browns and given your reputation, you can't take the ultimate boomer bust candidate in this draft. It's a terrible, terrible look because yeah, I agree. How has that but, ever I mean, worked out for you when you've taken a boomer bust guy? It just hasn't. I mean, and they haven't yeah, taken it at, at
1: some point. We should give him like a little bit of a break. Like, who really cares? Like, it's what kind of impact is he going to make? Because I mean, like. They they haven't won a game in 2 years. What they need to do is draft Bradley Chubb. They won
0: one game in 2 years. All right, let's No, they didn't. Yeah, they haven't gone 0 in 16 in 2 straight years. I'm almost positive. No, yeah. they haven't. You're dead wrong on this. They they
1: had one chance last year to do it and they were on the outside the 10-yard line and blew it against the and Packers. And the season before they won a game. Okay, sure. Okay. So they've won one game. Exactly. I let's let's guys. not forget that Big one game. Big difference there. Huge difference. Um no, I think they should just like build a team not based off a quarterback. Like, they, they should—don't they already have A.J. McCarron? see with the Bills. He's, with the, He's Bills. with the Bills now, yeah. I think they should get Bradley Chubb and put him opposite side of Miles Garrett, and then I think they should go out and either get Saquon or— Saquon. Get somebody like Roquan Smith. Saquon. Get like Roquan Smith and, like, shore up your defense.
0: We're not a prince
1: Or Minka or Derwin
0: James. Yeah, that was a lot of guys that you just listed that are all going to the Browns. I love it.
1: But uh, I'm, but they're they're all, like, listed behind where the, the Browns are ordering. Or, Wow, well, ordering. You know exactly what I'm trying to say. You got me all fired up. I did get you fired up. Drafting. Saquon Barkley, apparently,
0: is his new name. We're not a pronunciation podcast, although it's Saquon. But, so, I
1: was way off, guys. Sorry about that. Yeah,
0: the Guy's only been like in the national spotlight for three years. We're going to learn his name one of these days. I, well, you're going to learn his name. I've known his name for a long time. Sure. Yeah. We're going to point to the Joe Moorhead stuff again. No, I I, I think Darnold's going to go number one overall, and I think that they go with this the safe bet. The conversation that I had with Trent Dilfer talking with him about Darnell being sort of the, the safe guy. I think that's the route that the Browns end up going with number one overall. And then I think at number four, I think that they either go Chubb and I don't think Barkley's gonna be there. So I think that they, yeah. they will ultimately go Bradley Chubb. But it, it's it's gonna be a fascinating draft to watch because when have we had a draft like this in recent memory where we've had no idea what's gonna happen in the top four picks. There have been so many smoke screens going on that I, I don't know what to believe anymore.
1: I just what I don't understand with the Browns and like this is like What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same doing thing, the same over, thing and over, over and, and over expecting again, different expecting results. different results. Yeah. You ever been like on a, just a uh, just a bender of a weekend in Vegas, and you're just at the at the tables and hit me again, hit me again, just losing more and more money. That's what they keep doing with this damn quarterback situation. And if you're gonna put yourself in like a gamble like that, then take Baker, like have fun with it at least.
0: Well, the Browns have hell
1: bring back Manziel. The
0: Browns haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Tim Couch, former K- Kentucky great. So. You know, just saying. They haven't exactly done the same thing over and over again. They sort of wimp out in this. Yeah. I think that stat is right. They
1: drafted they drafted Manziel in the first round, 100%. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, no, no. Yeah. So it's, maybe it's the top 10 picks. Is this another Connor stat that's horribly, horribly wrong? Yes, it definitely is. It probably is. is. Whatever. Uh, just take my but word you for we got Saquon, it. right? So there's that. Saquon. I, no, I, I mean, I just, I would like to like just build a team. Try and build a team. But, and then I'm really excited to see where some of these SEC guys are going. Because I think Sonny Michelle's is going to end up in the first round. I don't care what they say about his knee. I, th- I think that kid's going to be a stud in the NFL. So who's going to be the first SEC player drafted, you think? Roquan Smith. Ooh. I, I don't Minka. think he's the best. Yeah. Because I think I think he's the – well, they have either Mika or Derwin going like seven to Tampa Bay. I, I love Mika Fitzpatrick. I think he's a great player. Roquan Smith is a phenomenal, phenomenal linebacker. And that's – there's – there's that you can't teach speed. You can't, you can't. teach speed. He's who I would and take he has, too. His game speed is incredible. It's just incredible. So yeah, I think I think they had Vegas has the over under on total SEC players drafted in the first round at eight and a half. And I think half of them are like Bama, but I think I think Georgia's gonna have a few. I think I think Georgia might have three taken in the first. I think they're at least gonna get two because
0: Isaiah Wynn, and then if you have Michelle in the first round too, then that would be and the D end. Well, Carter. <sighs> Carter's actually, I don't think Carter's going to be a first round guy. I think he will. I think I think the, the Pats could get him. You threw me off because we call him edge now when they get to this. Yeah, no, Whatever. Either
1: way. Edge. No, I, I mean, caps. I think George has got a lot of underrated prospects that I think like are going to be good NFL guys. So I Roquan's obviously a staple. I think Isaiah Wynn could could get up in there. He's another guy that Patrick talking about in the Falcons. I, I think Michelle is a first round guy. I would take, and also Hayden Hurst from South Carolina. He might he might he go could the be a first round. round guy. Yeah,
0: a lot of yeah. a lot of people have been saying that he could be the best tight end, first tight end taken in the draft. Jake Bentley said that he was the best player in the entire draft. That was a, a quote from him a couple That's a couple months ago. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. He loves his former teammate to say the least. That's wow. <laughs> the real question that we've been working towards building up to, I should say,
1: who's going to be the Laramie Tunzel of this draft? Probably Ronnie Harrison. Not crazy, I mean, Tony. <laughs> God, crazy Tony got a perm this week. I, I hope it's not crazy Tony because I really hope he does. I hope he does really well. I don't think there will ever be another larry Tunsil again. I would hope not because that I was hope. crazy, <sighs> and it really didn't even affect him that much. I mean, he dropped down, but like he lost some money. He lost some money. He lost some money. The worst was the kid from LSU who was wrongfully uh, included in that murder, Lyle Collins. Like the like the week of the draft. He got included as like a like a witness or, or like a suspect in a murder or something like that. Ended up dropping like the second round or third round of the, the Cowboys. I don't think you're going to see too many guys like that. I think this draft, this sounds crazy, but with SEC guys, I think there's a little bit more high character guys this year that you're going to see up front. I I, I don't think anyone's going to really drop a crazy amount. I'm interested to see where this kid from Florida goes, the D lineman, because he didn't really show up on tape Craven, to me. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I just, I mean... We'll see they have him some people have him inside the top 20 top 25. I think Calvin could slip because I don't I still don't think he's
0: yeah you're not probably. as high on you're not as high on Ridley maybe he's got I would take Christian Kirk
1: over him any day
0: yeah, Ridley was projected in the top 10. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. He could be a guy who slips. I hope nobody has, like, in all seriousness, like I actually hope nobody has a Laramie Tunzel type thing come yeah. out right before the draft. Like, as, as dumb as that was, that whole thing was, like, you feel bad for anybody that has to go through that. We don't want any of that to happen from an entertainment standpoint. Of course, it would be great. And it would be extremely entertaining. Like, I'll never forget watching that and sitting in the SDS office with, with my bosses and, and and the reaction of, of what was. Was going on. I don't know if we're ever going to see another draft story quite like that. But that was such a twenty-first century, like it was. It was I, bound to happen at, at some point.
1: What? But like, at some point, you have to like. Why are you filming yourself? That's good. That's the ultimate you're about, question. You're about to make millions of dollars. Well, it was a video that was really old. The weird thing was the fact that like, they have rumors that came out
0: that his stepdad was the one that leaked it. Yeah, there was a lot of rumors flying around about that, but... Yeah.
1: yeah kid I, I think it'll be fun. Mark. I think, uh, like I said, Vegas has the line set at 8.5 in the in the first, and they had like 19.5 in the first two rounds. So I think it'll be interesting to see where some of those guys go. Arden Key, I'm interested to see where he goes, because his, his stock has dropped a lot. Maybe the
0: most polarizing... SEC draft prospect. Maybe the most polarizing non-Baker Mayfield prospect. Non-Baker Mayfield Josh Allen. Let's just say non-quarterback prospect overall. Yeah. Could be Arden Key. Of course the defensive end from LSU who just had a bizarre, really bizarre junior year. Nobody really yeah. knew what was going on with him last offseason and then you know they had the weight issues, the conditioning issues and you just don't know what to expect from him at the next level. He is very much, in my opinion a boomer, bust guy. Tremendous right. tremendous talent and if he can get it all figured out. Somebody's going to get a steal maybe early in the second round the thing that that i come that i noticed uh, during the week so there, there are a lot of draft stats that get thrown around and 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 i like them because i i think it's some of them are fascinating like the fact that a linebacker we've had one linebacker come off the board in the top 10 picks in the last three years We've had four running backs in the top ten in the last three years. One of the things that I saw it was uh, Chris Bear. Is, how do you pronounce his last name? Felice? Felica?
1: We, again, no idea. We're not a
0: pronunciation podcast. Again, uh, he's the guy. He's the research guy on College Game Day. You see him every week. He makes his gambling picks. Big gambler. Yeah. Love him. He does tremendous work for ESPN. Uh, he threw out a stat about the most draft picks in the last. Five years was the first tweet that he threw out, and the SEC had it dominated. And yeah. of course, Danny Canal has to comment saying, "Of course, the SEC had more draft picks than anyone. They had the most teams." <sighs> Danny, 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 Danny. He just before you troll, get on the Wikipedia and go back simple to when Google search, man, little Google search, and you would find that the ACC had just as many teams as the
1: SEC the last five years. Just saying not saying the SEC is better than everyone in every single thing. But you know what? You can't take the standards like the SEC is overrated in everything. It's pretty damn good in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, he got dunked on pretty
0: good because then he ballooned the, the sample size out to 10 years and the SEC had like an either, even bigger margin of draft picks compared to the rest of the right. field. What is – you said like – you were talking about this earlier. The Vegas over-under for draft okay. picks.
1: So as a lot of you know, I'm, I'm pretty big into gambling. And so I was looking at some of the prop bets Vegas made – for the uh, upcoming draft and they have every single one of the prop bets that's in there like it's it'll say stuff like all right how many which conference has more first round draft picks taken it'll be like sec or instead of having one other conference it's like or the acc and big 10 combined that i mean that's
0: really what it what it is though at this point
1: yeah it's it's i mean it, i think that obviously says something like i think there was one that's like will bama have more first round draft picks or will the pack 12
0: Pac-12 had a rough year. Basketball and football. Bad, bad yeah. year for Pac-12 they'll, they'll probably sports. have more
1: if you're betting on that. But there's one that I thought was really interesting was who's going to get taken uh, first, Michelle or Chubb? I'd probably go with Michelle. Yeah, he's like an overwhelming favorite. But yeah, I mean, I, the SEC dominates the draft every year. Now that the U's not that good anymore. I mean, Ohio State, I will I will tip my hat to them. They killed it the past two years in the draft. They had like 11 cornerbacks <laughs> somehow drafted in the top two rounds somehow in the past couple of years, and they were all underclassmen. But, yeah, I mean, just give credit where credit's due. The SEC's been pretty
0: pretty dominant. Pretty dominant in turning out NFL prospects. All, you know, other conferences have had good runs, and, you know, the, the Big 12 had a good run a couple years ago, and Pac-12 has had its time. But, I mean, if you just look at the the basic numbers the last 10 years, yeah, I mean, you can't really right. you can't deny it. Could dominate the potential draft total this week. We think that that could definitely happen. Let's flip out about something else because everybody's going to flip out about the NFL draft, but something that got people really, really bothered last week. Oh God. It's time for It Might Mean Too Much. And yeah, I'm a little bit vain. I'm going to make this about me. I'm sorry. If you don't want to hear me talk about myself, you can turn this off, whatever. Don't turn it off. Keep listening, please. So last week, my first ever appearance on the Paul Feinbaum Show i was asked about a story that i wrote the previous week we have really, talked really about major mark connor <laughs> we've talked about it a lot on this podcast how i think you have i have okay go ahead how mississippi state i think is going to win 10 games next year i think mississippi state easily has a path to win 10 games so a tweet got thrown out there from one of the quotes that i had on the show basically saying joe moore had built a tremendous offense at penn state and I think he inherited one of the best rosters in the country at Mississippi State. I firmly believe that. They have more returning talent than anybody in the SEC. I think they have like 81% of their their production back. It's, it's incredible what I think they're going to be able to do. We've talked about the schedule, all that stuff, whatever. So that gets thrown out there. And all of a sudden, well, my. The main
1: thing you said was there was there was only one other team on the schedule. One game that, that scares you. One that game scares that scares you. you and it's at Right.
0: Right. So that's not to say that I, I mean I said that they would win ten games. I didn't say that they would win eleven games and that they would only lose to Alabama. But everybody took that as how is Mississippi State going to be like the most dominant team? I didn't say that they were going to be the most dominant team in America. Let's all let's all take a chill pill. The over under for wins for Mississippi State season is eight point four, and I said they'd win ten games. So I predicted one point six more. And people flooded okay, my mentions. Don't
1: don't break it down. What you did was a li- you went out there. You really you're on a limb here, and I'm 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 tr- I'm trying to defend you. But you saying that there was only one game on that that schedule that scares you. I'm looking at at Kansas State week two. I mean, does that Bill scare Snyder. you? Does that scare you to go against an, an eight win? team? Because I don't think Mississippi State is that great. I mean, I, yeah, a road a road game that early with a brand new coach and a quarterback coming off of a horrific injury. Yeah. That one does. Florida at home. Florida Um, at home. Florida won four games last year. Yeah, they have your coach. Doesn't matter. Followed by Auburn. They don't have.
0: They don't have his roster. That's fair. They don't. And then you have Auburn at home, which we've talked about. Gus Malzahn's issues on the road. Which I don't. I understand that Auburn won big. Killed Mississippi State last year. They they are a vastly different team on the road compared to at Jordan Hare. Right at LSU. That game against a, a team that many have projected to finish. Well, I shouldn't say many. ESPN's FBI projected to win six games. I 37-7 last year. That's all I'm saying. I understand that, that it's different in Baton Rouge. That's a very tough place to play. I will never right. deny that. But that game doesn't scare me given how much they dominated that matchup last year. That
1: game doesn't scare you. LSU at night doesn't scare you. No, because I don't think LSU is okay. going to be that good this year. At night. I don't care. <laughs> LSU at they night. They lost to Troy at night last year. They lost. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's set myself up for so that one. Then you have A&M at home, which I'm not. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. And you're at Bama. So my my biggest thing for you here is you do get a, a week off on the, the 13th before you go at LSU, A&M, and then Bama, and you finish up with Ole Miss on the road. I just, I mean, it was a brave statement. I I think, I think people took it too far and freaked out for no reason. And people sure. also
0: twisted my words a little bit. A few yes, definitely. A few unnamed journalists decided that my quote was, they took my quote completely out of context. I've, I always blame athletes for saying that they got taken out of context. I got absolutely taken out of context by a few people who will, uh, it's taking. A, it's very hard for me to make them unnamed. I don't want to throw them under the bus. And then there was a certain person who decided to basically go on this massive Twitter rampage about why <laughs> Mississippi State is never ever ever going to win ten games with this team. Right. Uh, okay. That you predicted they would win seven or eight games, but okay, this is just two more wins. I, I don't understand I just, why I, people got I so. I love bothered. the
1: fact that like this is what every single one of us in this industry are doing right now. Is like trying to trying to spark conversation, talk about this and that. You went out on a limb. You made a bold statement. All the other stuff is like, even today with me, it's like, yeah, I think Bam is going to be good. I think George is going to be really, really good. Oh yeah, cool. Like just we already all know that. Right. And you you go out and make this like bold statement. Everyone was like, that guy is an idiot. Oh yeah, He's I I'd a so lot. So mad.
0: Ole Miss people and Auburn fans were probably in my mentions uh, the most. I had some LSU people in there as well. But you know, I, I'm not. I'm not just throwing it out there because I just want to throw out a quote and get my name out there. I, no, no, I believe this. It, You believe. I, yeah. I, like I am. I am an absolute believer in Joe Moorhead. If you're getting sick of hearing me say God, that, I better, apologize.
1: But you better hope that they do pretty well this year.
0: I mean, I'm officially on board. Uh, I'm officially on board the Mississippi State bandwagon. I need more cowbell. Oh well, the, that's that's the nature of the beast, and I'll stand by that. Yeah. If you want to publicly shame me, if and when that happens, then you know what, so be it. But it might mean too much to the people who decided that they wanted to spend their entire afternoon arguing why Mississippi State cannot possibly win two more games than what is
1: projected for them. That's fair. I mean, that's you know, two games. It was a slow Saturday. It was, 1. A, it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. Also true. Well, also true. Uh, yeah.
0: All right. That is that. That is all from just us. We still have the interview with uh, Trent Dilfer. As I said earlier, this is uh, some fascinating stuff. We got uh, about 10 to 15 minutes with him talking about this upcoming draft class, who he'd pick number one overall, and maybe even more interestingly, what he thought of Tua coming out of Elite 11 camp. Trent Dilfer yeah. was, a, was a coach at Elite 11 camp. He was very complimentary, had some some comparisons for, not only for Tua, but for Jake Fromm, uh, also for Justin Fields that you're definitely going to want to hear. Yeah, we really appreciate him coming on. He came on on behalf of yeah. uh, Panini America, some really good stuff that he's doing with them. So, so without further ado, let's, uh, let's go to that interview. I'm excited to be joined by a guy who many of you are used to seeing on Monday nights in the fall. He is Trent Dilfer. Uh, Trent, i, I got to ask you this first. Which title do you prefer most? Uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback, ESPN NFL analyst, Elite 11 quarterback coach, 1997 Pro Bowler, or former Cleveland Browns quarterback?
2: I'd go to the Browns. I, I take great pride in being one of those flappos <laughs> on that jersey of like 25 failures in Cleveland.
0: I love that. I love that. Before we talk quarterbacks <laughs> first, uh, you're here uh, with SDS today on behalf of Panini America, which is the exclusive trading partner of the NFL and the NFLPA. Uh, fans can collect Panini trading cards by that are featuring the top rookies uh, on draft nights. You can get them online at iCollectPanini.com. Uh, that's iCollectPanini.com. Or you can go to hobby shops nationwide. You can get them at retailers like Walmart and Target. Trent, do you have your own rookie card? I do.
2: I just moved to Austin, Texas and in the move uh, from California, we went through boxes, you know, you know what moving's like everybody does. So I never had all my memorabilia and stuff in one place. It was in a storage unit. And as we moved out to Austin, as we're unpacking boxes, there was just boxes of trading cards that companies sent me over, you know, my 14 year career. And I found the rookie one. I found, you know, there's hundreds. I probably have a few thousand cards over 14 years. But I always like the ones that have me with my flock of seagulls haircut on the back (laughs) (laughs) and being a bald guy and an old crusty fart. I love pulling out the card and going, oh, my gosh, I forgot I had a flock of seagulls up top and a Bon Jovi in the back going on. And uh, it's always fun to giggle. And then I look at my completion percentage. and I get sick to my stomach. <laughs> but but Panini's well, awesome. Uh, one of the reasons I partner with Panini, it's my favorite company out there. They celebrate the athlete. Uh, they're so cool with what they do. They've taken trading cards to a whole nother level. And what they're doing real quick, let's just hit on this. Think about this. These kids are going to get drafted. They're going to put the hat on. They're going to hug the commissioner. And while they're doing that, Panini is making a real-time trading card of them that you can see on iCollectPanini.com. To me, that is just awesome because we're all kind of 12-year-olds at heart. Think about these kids. As they're doing that, their rookie card is being produced in real time. I just think that's awesome.
0: Absolutely. You're going to be all over the NFL draft. A guy that's going to be joining your fraternity in the very near future is going to be the Cleveland Browns' number one overall pick, or at least we think, as of the time of recording this, they haven't traded the pick yet. If you're the Browns, I mean, you're you're the perfect guy to talk about this because you're a former Browns quarterback. If you're the Browns sitting there at number one, who's the guy that you would take?
2: Okay, so a 30,000-foot view, I don't think they can go wrong. One. I love this quarterback class. I think there's good reasons to draft Darnold, Rosen, Allen, maybe even Baker. Uh, although I wouldn't draft Baker one. I think it should be Darnold, and here's why. From a physical standpoint, he's got all the stuff it takes, and the and his carelessness with the ball in the pocket can be fixed. I think the Browns quarterback has to have a certain mentality. I lived it, right? I, I was Like I said, I was one of the failures. That's a city that really hasn't had high-level quarterback play since Bernie Kosar. So they need a figurehead, a person that can handle the weight and the burden of being that guy as much as they need a player. And I think that's what Sam is. Sam is that cool kid that makes everybody around him feel better. You just feel more comfortable when you're with Sam. Nothing phases him. Failure won't phase him. Success won't phase him. Pressure won't phase him. He just is that, that no-flinch, you know, most pressure-filled moment. He's going he's gonna to find a way to survive and then one day thrive. Uh, that's the easiest way I can explain Sam Darnold. For those reasons, I think Sam should be the quarterback. Now, if you go with Allen, who's a wild talent, you've just got to be patient. He's just not ready to play right away. He needs a year, a year and a half to kind of harness this raw horsepower that he has, which is unique. And then Rosen, I just don't know if that's the right fit. I think Rosen needs to go to a highly sophisticated, big market city like New York, where the energy of the city, the pressure of the city, the scrutiny of the city is going to bring out the best in him. So that would kind of be my you know, Reader's Digest analysis of where these guys should go and how they fit.
0: You have a unique spe- perspective on these quarterbacks because you've seen a lot of these guys at the Elite 11 camp. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you had Jake Fromm and Tonga Tua Bailoa Tua there, still a mouthful, still learning how to say it. What did you think about them as prospects when you saw them come through camp?
2: So, one of the more fun years we had was with those guys. Very different players, but both kind of similar mentalities. Um, they're the coolest kids ever. Kids gravitate toward their leadership qualities. Um, Jake's the kid that can be hunting and fishing with his boys, or he could be at a frat party or he could be with adults and hold a conversation, or he can be on TV and handle his stuff. You know I mean? He just can kind of do anything you ask him to do from personality standpoint and a really gifted pastor. He's kind of in that Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield mold of deadly accurate, you know, could throw the eyes out of it makes great decisions. is going to be the captain of the ship. That's why he had so much success at a young age. Tua, in my time doing this, my eight years doing this, is the most unique prospect I've ever coached. He can learn faster than anybody I've ever seen learn. He can change. I remember Jeff Tedford was my quarterback coach, my office coordinator when I was in college, and he would always tell me, if you want to be a great quarterback, you have to be able to change the next rep. So it's okay that you made a mistake, but you better change it the next rep. And if you can learn that fast, the seal, your ceiling is super high. Two is that guy. He can change each rep. He can learn from a mistake, completely correct it, not make the same mistake again. He's got as unique of a release combined with arm strength that I've ever seen. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers ish, if not better. So he can play in tight quarters. He can threaten every area of the field. Think about think about how dynamic Alabama can be if you can threaten sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone with the passing game. You already have the five best running backs in the country, the 12 best offensive linemen, the three best wide receivers, the four best tight ends. You know what I mean? You got 37 coaches that they call analysts. Like, you have everything. What they haven't had is the ability to threaten sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone with the passing game. And that's what Tua brings them. I mean, people said I'm being hyperbolic with this comment, but I think Tua can go through his college career and never lose a game. I think he's that kind of talent with the right supporting cast. I I honestly could envision an Alabama team that beats everybody 50-3 to with Tua as the quarterback. I just think he's that kind of good. I could be, I could be wrong, but that's what I think.
0: That's some high praise. That's some seriously high praise. So I, I might know the answer to this next question. But if you could get, if if I could give you Tua or Fromm to build your team around today, who, who would that guy be?
2: Oh, Tua. I, I'm on record saying he's the best we've ever coached. I mean, Jameis Winston, wow. Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, half the NFL is our guys right now. Deshaun Watson would be one of the top guys. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. I go on and on and on. Basically, every Power 5 starter and most of the NFL guys have been through the process of Elite 11. Uh, two is the best I've ever seen. Now, he's, he's only six feet tall, so at some point, maybe that holds him up. I don't think it will. He's also one of the best humans I've ever been around. His faith is so authentic and so infectious that he makes everybody around him feel better. You should see him with his teammates. I mean, it is—it's remarkable how he can bring people together. I, he's just got it, whatever it is. You know, we did the documentary a few years ago and called it the "It Factor." We tried to somehow define this esoteric term of "it," and I—I I made a joke. I said we should just put a picture of Tua up instead of trying to explain it, because he has it.
0: Wow, that's serious high praise. I don't think many people are going to argue about that at this point. Just real quick on Jake Fromm, wasn't it you who was responsible for the Jake Fromm State Farm Twitter handle that he ultimately changed it to?
2: Okay, so I'm going to say this for the first time publicly. I stole that from Craig Nall. I take full credit for oh. it publicly. So (laughs) I'm the one that took all the credit for somebody else's great idea. And I kill Craig about this. Craig Knoll is one of our great coaches at Elite 11, played in the NFL for seven, eight years. Kids love him. He's a fantastic coach and has an unbelievable sense of humor. And one night we're sitting there late, you know, we stay up all night at Elite 11 and, you know, evaluate, talk and, you know, hang out. And one night out of the blue, Craig goes, Jake from state from. And literally, a room full of coaches just died. So what I, I was smart enough to go out the next day and be the loudest person saying it. So everybody gave me credit for it, and I looked way funnier than I am, and he ends up changing his Twitter handle to it. But I gotta come clean and say I stole that from Craig Knoll.
0: Wow, okay, that's on record now. That's good to, to come I clean. I know, totally appreciate ruined the it too.
2: totally ruined uh, it, because I was getting so many props for that nickname. <laughs>
0: It's a, it's a great, great Twitter handle. Uh, a guy that he's going to be spending a lot of time with. He's already spent a lot of time with. Justin Fields, somebody that you saw at the Elite 11 camp win the MVP there. What, what have you seen from him? And maybe you know, the second part to that question, who do you think projects more as a first-round quarterback between he and Jake Fromm?
2: Oh, that's see, now we're going to have some controversy. Uh, <laughs> Justin Fields is a unique talent. He's, he's a great Russell Wilson comparison. He's an elite athlete. His physical makeup is spectacular. Like, there's, you really can't punch holes in it. He's big, thick, strong, fast, twitchy, you name it. Every athletic trait you could want, he has. He's got Jake's kind of um, cool, calm, no-flinch demeanor. He, like Jake, is really good with his teammates. You know, he's one of those guys that everybody kind of gravitates towards. He, I learned this about him. I didn't know this about him before we got him in Elite 11, but he is a very intuitive quarterback. Like, he sees things that he shouldn't see. He makes throws that are very graduate-level type throws. I think he has what I call supreme physical confidence, meaning he knows he can get out of a jam so he can take a little more time letting things evolve. Um, You see that when you watch his high school film, like, it's just there's a calmness to him because he has so much confidence that if all hell breaks loose, I can make something happen with my supreme talent. He's a very very special prospect. It, I, I listen. I like the SEC. I like Georgia. I try to. Root, I don't really try to take sides. I was bummed to see him go to Georgia because naturally there's going to be this controversy now, which is unfortunate because you have two really special quarterbacks on the roster. And the reality of it is that one of them won't be there long term. And that's I, I, I'm just saddened by that because I wish they could play against each other. <laughs> that's what I would like to see. I think that'd be great, great
0: to watch. It's going to be fun to watch that dynamic unfold. One more question on the, the we'll bring it back to the 2018 quarterback draft class. Who's a guy that's maybe, you know, we've talked about guys who look like first-rounders down the road, but who's a guy that's maybe not on the first-round radar right now who you're looking at you think, man, this guy could be a franchise quarterback for a long
2: time? Luke Falk, Washington State, love him. He's a pro. He was a pro since he was 17 years old. Lives life at a different level competitively than most people. He kind of tried to mimic his life after Tom Brady, which isn't a bad person to mimic it after, but the self-discipline. The work ethic, the grind that he's willing to take on, really serves him well in professional football. I don't think he's a transformational type talent. He's, you know, he's above average in the talent category, but he's he's exceptional in the in in tan in the intangible makeup. So I think with the right kind of fit, the right team, some of the coaching staff that values that approach to quarterbacking, could really get a superstar in Luke Falk.
0: I like it. I like it. Final question before I let you go, and you've been so gracious with your time. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, You played 14 years in the NFL. You're a former first-round pick. If you're giving any of these guys who are about to become NFL quarterbacks one piece of advice, maybe one piece of Reader's Digest advice, what would that be?
2: That's really good, because I usually get 30 pieces. (laughs) I would find a trusted mentor early on and just lean heavily into them realize that I don't have anything figured out, that I'm 22 years old and I don't know anything in the big scheme of things. And I need to find somebody that knows stuff (laughs) and lean on them for life, for football, for team dynamics, you name it. I'd go find Josh McCown at the New York Jets and I'd beg him to be my friend and my mentor, you know, somebody like that.
0: I think that's that's fantastic. Trent, we, we really appreciate you coming on. That's awesome stuff. I hope you enjoy draft weekend. Should be should be a fun one
2: for you with this quarterback class. It will be. It will be. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent.
0: A reminder that uh, Trent joined us on behalf of Panini America. They're going to have trading cards of all the top rookies that are selected uh, on these draft nights. You can get those at iCollectPanini.com, or again, you can find them at any of your hobby shops, large retailers like Walmart and Target. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us on the Saturday Down South podcast. Hope you all watch 20 hours of draft coverage and squeeze every bit of football that we have left before the summer. Thanks for joining us, SEC fans. We'll be back next week.